Do you ever hear a little voice in your head telling you that you're not ready for this, you're not smart enough, and maybe you're not as good as the other advisors? Does your inner bully hold you back from taking the next step that would make an amazing impact on your business? That, my friends, is imposter syndrome, and every single advisor experiences it, and they experience it often. And it tends to creep up right in that moment, right right when you're about to do something really, really big. Your inner bully starts to whisper in your ear at the absolute worst possible moment, when you are right on the edge of your comfort zone, about to jump out into that zone of greatness that literally lies just beyond. So today's podcast is actually a recording of a live workshop that I did for the Twin Cities chapter of Women in Financial Services, which is great. You should totally check it out if you're a chick. I created an actual system to work to eliminate imposter syndrome when it creeps up. So you can download the PDF that accompanies this episode. The link is in the show notes. But yes, you heard that right. Shocker, I created an actual process that you can use to reduce imposter syndrome. And if you claim you've never experienced it, You are either absolutely 100% my hero or a dirty, dirty liar. (laughs) And I can't tell you how many times when I'm coaching advisors, I hear them mention that they struggle with feeling imposter syndrome. You know, it's hard to feel unique. It's hard to feel like you are adding enough value. Um, It's hard to feel like you are just as good, if not better than the guy down the street who's been doing this longer. Um, or maybe has a different niche than you, you know, and it's hard to, you know, just get over, are you worth charging what you charge? So everybody experiences it in many different ways. So I invite you to follow along with this workshop to help you create a few go-to strategies to eliminate that inner mean girl once and for all. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Libby Grywe, and I am obsessed with building systems and processes in financial advisory businesses to help advisors work less. And I know from experience, I built a 100% referral-only planning practice and grew it to seven figures as a solo advisor, all while working just three days a week and taking off 14 weeks a year to lean into being a mom and a wife and a friend and a sister and a daughter and all of the other roles that we play, right? And I'm here to walk alongside you and to show you how to do exactly the same and to help you take immediate action on the most important strategies for scaling, organizing, and creating less stress and overwhelm in your business. Can I get an amen? We are about to transform your practice, so move over exhaustion and advisor ADD. It is time to take that one right next step to build a business and a life that you love. Thank you so much for having me. You know, do you ever hear that little voice in your head telling you that you're not ready for this? You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. There are already other people doing this and they're doing a better job than you. Does that inner mean girl ever hold you back from taking that one right next step that would make your business just explode? That, my friends, is imposter syndrome. And literally every single advisor experiences it. 
And if you show me an advisor that has never had imposter syndrome, I will show you someone who has never taken a leap of faith, who has never gone and done the next big thing, and who does not have a growth mindset. Um, and, and imposter syndrome, it tends to creep up in that moment, right before you're about to do something really big, before you're about to do something great, your inner mean girl starts to whisper in your ear at the worst possible moment. <laughs> when you're right on that edge of your comfort zone and you're about to leap out into that zone of greatness and beyond. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, I love talking to advisors, especially I have a heart for talking to women advisors. Back when I started in 2004, there were like, I don't know, three of us. So I'm like a hundred years old. It's fine. I've been doing this a long time, but what I used to, it was amazing. I remember like having this moment at a conference one time where I realized like, wow, there's so many women when I actually had to wait in line at the restroom. Cause it used to be for years, I would go to conferences and events and it was like, boom, I was right in. And it was like, I can just remember one day standing in line going, wow, this is cool. This is amazing. So, and if you know anything about me, I believe that you can literally have a system or a process for anything, anything. In fact, I attribute any success that I had as a financial planner or building my business to scalable systems and processes. So let me explain. I'm going to back up and just share a little bit. So you have some frame of reference here. So I want to take you back to 2008 and not the financial crisis, something way scarier happened. I found out I was pregnant. So this is great news because my husband and I really wanted to have a baby. And this is super scary news because for the previous four years, I had been working around the clock, like a complete mad woman, right? Nights, weekends, whenever clients wanted to meet, you know, 10 p.m. on a Friday, great. I was there. I was your girl, right? I was doing that initial build your business hustle. And I remember thinking, like, whoa, I can't have a baby and work like this. Like, this is this is not going to be conducive to the type of mom that I want to be. Um, but I was also really happy with the amount of income that I was making. Right. So like any logical, um, crazy pregnant hormonal woman, I just remember thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm exhausted. How am I going to do this? I just need to figure this out or I'll quit. Right. So it's either I make the same amount of money in like a third of the time or I just have to give up, right? Because that's like the, that super logical pregnant brain. And I knew I needed to figure out a way to, to maintain that income level and cut all of my time and really just identify what were the areas that I could streamline. How could I optimize myself? How could I optimize my team? At the time I had one part-time staff person who I am a hundred percent confident played more solitaire than anything else. You know, I knew I needed to look at my existing clients and get more referrals. I really just needed to step into that CEO role and get freaking organized. So fast forward just three or four years in that short period of time, since that first pregnancy, I quadrupled the amount of income that I actually made per hour. Um, we became a 100% referral only practice. And over the next decade, I grew my figure to my practice to seven figures with a super small staff. And the crazy part was that I only worked 25 hours a week. 
So if you're wondering what changed, it's not like I grew some superpowers overnight or, you know, had that baby and all, and, and my baby brain just like went amazingly into hyper mode. It was many things, but it was really three key changes. It was building a simple client service model and client experience built upon systems and processes um, so that I could deliver that experience consistently. It was two building a simple team with the right people in the right roles, with the right mindset, with the right vision and using systems and processes to scale their productivity and our, and scale our planning process. And three, it was creating and implementing simple time-saving techniques like templates and standard operating procedures, and you guessed it, systems and processes. So <laughs> you'll hear that maybe I might mention that phrase like once or twice. Um, so basically what I ended up doing was just creating a system for myself that worked. And then other advisors got wind of what I was doing, because when I started, um, I always joke that I started in the world of the FBFs, the fat, bald, and fifties, where if you wanted to make more, you had to work more. Um, you know, if you wanted to do better, you just had to get more and more clients. It wasn't exactly the most streamlined of worlds when, when I started, and I just remember a lot of female advisors specifically came to me and said, Libby, I am overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I'm exhausted. How on God's green earth are you doing this on just three days a week? Can you show me? I want my life back. I want to make more money. Um, I want to enjoy my business. So since 2016, I pretty much just started formalizing my processes and I've been coaching advisors and speaking all over the country on how to increase revenue while working less. And it's so cool because I've seen these advisors really start to run their businesses instead of their businesses running them. You know, I've seen them uh, just scale back and feel like they actually have time and energy left over for their family. And they're giving their family their first fruits instead of their just, you know, leftovers. And I found that I absolutely love helping. I swear, and I swear it all comes down to systems and processes. So um, you could probably start some sort of drinking game if you want to, where we all do a shot every time I say systems and processes. Um, but watch out, you're at work. So, you know, no financial advice after this presentation. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today is exactly that. It is a system that you can use when your inner mean girl or your inner bully shows up and starts to thwart those efforts of you taking that next step in your business to build a business and build a, biz a life that you love. So I'm all about the templates and the how-tos and the step-by-step -step guides. And today I'm going to give you an exact roadmap that you can follow to put a muzzle on that bully. This way, when she shows up and she's trying to sabotage your success and she will, you have got a tool to shut her up for good. <laughs> so I thought this was really fascinating, but did you know that 85% of Harvard business school students report that they consistently experience imposter syndrome, which is crazy, right? Because when I think of Harvard business school, I think of like the smartest people on the planet, right? The best of the best, the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme and people who could only get in because they are that freaking amazing or their parents are that freaking rich. Right. Um, but why in the world would they ever feel like imposters? Like that to me, was just kind of mind blowing. And at the same time, it was kind of comforting, right? Because it means that if they experience imposter syndrome, then we're not alone. 
it can happen to anybody and everybody. So let's get on with it. I've got a PDF that you guys should have all received ahead of time. Um, that is an actual guide to helping you follow this system. And because I'm all about the systems and processes, but I'm a big fan of implement as you go. So I, it used to make me crazy when I would go to conferences or events and these speakers would give like all of these amazing ideas. And I'd like take notes like a crazy person. And I'd get back to my office and I'd be like, cool, I'm going to do that someday. And it would go like in that pile of like to do and only maybe the best, the best, like actually creeped over to the to done. Um, so today we're actually going to do this live so that it's not on your to-do list. We're going to actually work through it so that you've got this system in your tool belt and you've got some practice. Okay. Okay. So the first step to shushing that inner mean girl is to give that bully a name. So by naming her, we can start the process of separating her thoughts from our own thoughts. And then when we recognize that she is talking, we can really observe her and we can really get to know her voice. So you can come up with a fun name um, on your own, or maybe you might think of like a very specific someone from high school or middle school that like was a mean girl. Um, so mine's name is Becky. It's not named after anybody in uh, that I know. It's more of a homage to my middle school years and my affinity for Sir Mix-a-Lot. So uh, if you know, you know, okay. Um, but she's Becky and she loves, loves to come out at very specific times. And now I really know her voice. I know when Becky has arrived and I know when she's talking to me. Um, she's the one that pokes her head out right when I'm about to do something great and it's, or something that's really pushing me to that next level. Okay, the other time that she comes out and you might experience this too is when I'm on Pinterest. Okay. She hangs there out there, like a lot, like, especially in the kids birthday party section. Um, she also hangs out a lot in the, um, charcuterie board area, you know? So I know, you know what I mean? Like when you see those fabulous birthday parties with, you know, they're for four-year-olds and they have like a petting zoo and balloon arches and cake pops and like all the things and you start to feel like super crappy about your plastic tablecloths and your store-bought cake, okay? That's when Becky shows up to wreak havoc. So by naming her, I can say to myself, oh, look, Becky's here, right? So sarcasm, eye roll, great, Becky's arrived. And once I know she's here and she's ready to squash my business dreams, I can jump to step number two. So take just a second and come up with your mean girl name. Um, and if you want to share it, you are more than welcome to, but I love, love naming her because it just, a, it makes it more fun. And B, when you start to talk with other girlfriends and you all have like your mean girl, you can start to be like, oh, girl, Becky showed up today and you're not going to believe what she told me. <laughs> and it just makes it fun. Okay, good. So do you have your mean girl name written down? Raise your hand if it's somebody you actually knew in high school. I just want to know like how many people actually named it after a real person. Love it. Okay. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> All right. So we can move on to step number two now that we've got a name. And what we're going to do now is we are going to write out our inner mean girl thoughts. And then when we have them on paper, we can look at them more objectively. So when I'm coaching advisors, I hear them say things like, I'm not pretty enough to do video marketing 
or gosh, I really want to specialize in divorce financial planning, but there are so many other advisors already doing it. And there's so much further ahead of me or, um, oh, my personal favorite. Well, I'll get to that one in a second. Cause that one's me, <laughs> but you know, you, when you actually write these things down on paper and you read them, they sound kind of stupid. So we can look at the statement more objectively when it's written and it's not in our brain. Cause when we hear Becky telling it to us, it sounds real. There's a voice to it and it's in your head. And when you write it down on paper and you come back to it, you can kind of look at it and go, that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I actually want you to take a second and think of some of the things that your version of Becky says to you. And we don't have to worry about whether it's real or she's right or not yet. That's next. Um, we don't have to worry about if it sounds like legit or if it sounds really dumb, we're just going to write it out. So mine look like this. When I'm invited to give a keynote or to host a workshop or to do a virtual training or something like this, I hear Becky say something like this, Libby, you are not a professionally trained speaker. You are no TEDx talk. You are just a normal person no one is going to take you seriously. That's what my Becky says to me. Or she might say, and I've heard this from so many advisors, especially women, girl, you need to lose about 10 pounds before you start to record any video. Before you get on video, you got to lose 10 pounds and the camera adds 10 pounds. So really you've got to lose like 20 pounds. So instead of recording that video, why don't you wait until you lose 20 pounds? Okay. Um, and if you know anything about me, I've lost 300 pounds. I know that sounds like unbelievable. The downside is it's just the same freaking 20 pounds. And I've lost it. Like, I don't know, like 27 times it's fine. Um, but, Be but Becky says that to me, right? Like you aren't pretty enough to be on video. You really should lose a couple of pounds before you do that. And those are the things that for a really long time actually held me back. I also heard her say, you want to start a podcast? You do not have the voice for that. In fact, Libby, you have a little bit of a lisp and listening to your podcast is going to be like nails on a chalkboard for so many people. So those are some of the things that my inner mean girl says. So I want you just to write down a couple of stuff that that bully whispers in your ear when you let them speak. And I'm just going to give you like maybe a minute or two to write down a couple of those, a couple of those thoughts. And I'm glad while you're doing, I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad you're doing it right here, right now. Why wait? Don't put it off, you know, do this work. And I promise something that we talk about today will stick. And the next time those pesky little thoughts creep up, you will have some tools in your arsenal to handle her and just to get back to business. And this is a women's group. I, I maybe should have allotted like 30 minutes for us to write down all the mean thoughts. So <laughs> I think we're naturally harder on ourselves. <laughs> But get down at least one or two really good ones, maybe the common ones, and then we can move on to step number three. Okay, so now that we've got all of our objections from Becky written down on paper, we'll move on to step number three, which is fact or opinion. So this is where we decide, you know, once we see this statement on paper, it's now separated from us and we can then determine is it actually a fact or is it just a misguided opinion? So step three is to really break down those statements that Becky says and actually evaluate them. 
So in my example, when I'm invited to give a keynote or host a workshop for advisors, I might hear Becky say, you know, Libby, you're not a professionally trained TEDx speaker. No one's going to take you seriously. And I can actually take a minute and really evaluate if that's true, or is it just Becky's misguided thoughts? So let's break it down a little bit. So true. I have not yet been invited to do a TED talk, but it is true or is it true that I'm not a good speaker, right? Just because I haven't done a TED talk, does that mean I'm not a good speaker? I can slow down and I can actually analyze that. And I can say, you know what, Becky, actually I do work with a speaking coach and I've given tons of keynotes and I've hosted workshops. I've had rave reviews. I have some evidence that I can technically give a talk and do a good job. So then I can address the second part, right? So first part, you're not a very good speaker. Okay, I have some evidence to show that that's not true. Now I can look at the second part. People won't take you seriously. Okay, I can slow down and actually address that and say, you know what, Becky, you're right. Some people might not. And if they don't, then what? We solve for the worst case scenario. Okay, so the worst case scenario is I look like a huge idiot. Well, the evidence is I have done that many times and I have survived. I have woke up the next day after having done a couple of bonehead things. So is it going to kill me? No. Will it ruin my reputation? Well, there's 6 billion people on this planet. So if 150 of them think I'm a goober, that means there's still 5,999,999,850 people who might like what I have to say. So it's subjective, right? So when we talk facts and evidence, like people won't take you seriously, we can really look at, well, do I actually have proof that that's the case? Do I have any proof that the opposite is true and that people will take me seriously? Well, while I can't prove what people will think of me in the future, I can look at history and look at evidence that shows that I have spoken in the past and that people have definitely taken me seriously and that they've loved what I've had to say. So let's look for evidence that creates facts. What experiences or proof do I actually have that people have taken me seriously? Well, okay. Again, number one, I've spoken at events and people have asked me to come back. So I couldn't have sucked that bad, right? Or maybe they're really desperate, but that's probably just Becky talking. You know, I spoke at an event in Fargo and I got a standing ovation at a financial planning event, right? Like either they were tired and everyone in the room just had to stretch their legs, but that's probably Becky talking. Like it was actually a really good three-hour workshop, you know, or I can look and say, I've been referred or like, look, Dina and Mary today recommended me. Like people recommended me. Someone out there has to take me seriously enough to put their name on a referral. And I can look at it and go, I've gotten paid. People have actually given me money to talk to people, right? I had the highest rated breakout at the NAFIT conference. Like there is evidence to prove that people will take me seriously. Um, and that helps me determine, well, is Becky's thought, is that actually a fact or was that just a misguided opinion? And let's say that you feel there's actually evidence that your inner mean girl's comments are real. So let's say like I talked at an event and it went just awful. Maybe I forgot my presentation or maybe I cried on stage. 
maybe the event planner asked me for their feedback, <laughs> that would be pretty terrible, right? And if we do have those types of facts, right? If Becky has some legitimacy to her thoughts, we can actually look at them and say, well, is that true that that would happen again? No, there's actually no empirical evidence that proves that if I cried at one presentation and forgot everything I was supposed to say, that'll, that'll happen again at the next one. So it just brings it back to being a misguided opinion of Becky. And then let's take it one step further, right? So if you are the one person that finds that you can actually back up, back up Becky's claims, and you would be like literally the one person on the planet who actually could say, okay, what she's saying is 100% true. And I have facts and evidence for that. Great. Those are good things to know. And that means, you know, exactly what to do differently to drive different re results next time. So if I forgot my speech and I cried, I could work three times as hard to practice, practice, practice. I could maybe ask for a teleprompter. I could bring notes. Um, how can I adjust based on evidence? How can I change the outcome? So I want you to take a minute on the worksheet and I want you just to practice addressing at least one of Becky's thoughts from step number two and break it down. Is it a fact? What's the worst case scenario? If there's validity to her thoughts, what's going to prove, what's the evidence that it'll happen again? And what evidence do I have to show that she's just way off base? So I'll give you guys a couple of minutes to um, give that girl some Z snaps. I love it. All right. Well, we'll move on to step number four. So now that you've taken a couple minutes to address your Elmira or your Nancy or who else do we got in here? Um, there's an Allison. Love it. So now that we've addressed what she's had to say and we've kind of decided whether it's a fact or it's an opinion, we're now going to talk about how you build a big old pile of actual hard evidence. So not just thoughts, but like actual physical evidence that she does not know what she's talking about. So if you're anything like me, you have advisor onset ADD. It's a thing. It's maybe not a medically recognized thing. I should probably see if I can get a medical journal to do something on it. I've completely made it up, but having started run and sold a practice and having coached hundreds of advisors, I know deep down in my bones that advisor ADD is a real thing. But when you have advisor ADD, you so quickly forget things because you're just so busy moving on to the, to the next thing, right? It's not your fault. It's actually your superpower. It's how you bounce from meeting to meeting, to meeting, to file prep, to planning, to deep planning, to recommendations, to leading your team, to compliance concerns, to training, to goal setting, and then back to meetings all in a single day. While at the same time, you're also making sure, okay, are the kids sports uniforms washed? Do they have their water bottle in their bag? You know, all of the things that you're having to balance between work and home. So it's not your fault that you have advisor ADD. Um, it's an adaptive strategy that we have developed to deal with the 5,764,000 ,000 hats we literally wear as advisors. Um, but how does that apply to imposter syndrome? Well, I think we often forget what total rock stars we are because we're so busy moving on to the next thing. We tend to hear a compliment and it goes in one ear and maybe out the other. So we actually have to have a system, right? There's that word again, everybody grab your 
you know, rum or whatever to at Courtney's doing a shot here. Great. Um, but we actually have to have a system to remind ourselves how much impact we actually have on the world around us. And I love that most of you are drinking water. That's probably a better choice for today. Um, but here, this is where we implement, uh, we enter the compliments finder, the brag book, the feel good folder, whatever it is that you want to call it. It's a concept that goes by many, many names, but it's designed for one goal. And that is to give you actual hard evidence that you are freaking amazing and that you should be doing the thing that you want to do to build the business and the life that you deserve. And it tells Becky to go to H-E double hockey sticks. So what is it? Regardless of what you want to call it, it's essentially for me, it's a binder, but it's full of emails from clients, emails from colleagues, thank you cards, notes, articles that somebody thought, you know, my input was wise enough to publish in their publication. You know, anything that says, thank you. You're awesome. I appreciate you. Your feel good folder or whatever you want to call it. You know, it could be an actual folder full of these things. Um, so mine is a big, obnoxious purple binder and I, and I love it. And I chose a binder for me because I like physical things. I'm an elder millennial. So as much as I like technology, I like to actually put my fingers on things too. And I've received a lot of physical cards over the years from advisors expressing like gratitude for coaching, or they came to the workshop and it made a huge difference in their business. And to me, those things in their original form are just like super duper precious. Um, you know, and I've also got, like I said, emails, I've printed out screenshots of really kind comments that people have left on social media. Um, in fact, I have a video on my website going through my big obnoxious purple binder and showing you what a compliments binder looks like. So if you need a visual, if that would help you, you can take, it's really not fancy. It's literally a binder with stuff hole punched and stuck inside. Um, but it doesn't have to be a physical thing, like a binder. It could be an album on your phone. Um, so I have a couple advisors that have just like a photo album on their phone and under the photos section, and they just take screenshots of emails, text messages, or pictures of the thank you cards. Um, it could also just be an email folder that you have in your inbox. Um, so like I said, you can get all techie with it. You do you. Um, but what form you choose really, really doesn't matter. The idea is that when Becky is whispering in your ear, you can break out this physical myth buster and pull actual evidence that you are indeed a rock star and that people love you. There is nothing more motivating than flipping back through and saying, wow, like people like, you know, I'm smart. Gosh, darn it. People like me, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever the old Stuart Smalley thing is. So your action item for this step is to actually start to dig out some of those pieces of encouragement that you've received um, and, and, or start to collect those as you continue to receive them in your career and actually make a place for them to live. Um, and it really just helps when you've got your inner mean girl, she's got a name. We've put her thoughts on paper. We've written them out. We've identified whether they're facts or just, you know, Becky's annoying opinion. Um, and we've actually got hard evidence to prove that we're doing an amazing job. So I want to leave you with just one more tool in your toolkit today. And this is my power phrase. So you're going to want to book some time, like even if it's five, 10 minutes, get yourself a fun 
you know, hot pink binder or something that's just for you or create that folder in your inbox so that you have a place to throw those emails when they come on in. Um, but the last step is to have a power phrase. So the thing that I found that happened quite frequently is I'd have these moments where Becky was whispering to me and it feels like she's right. And it's a good trick of hers. And she's just, she's reminding you that you're about to do something that you've never done before. So you don't have a lot of evidence. You know, you feel like her thoughts maybe have some validity. And even if you've written it down on paper and it sounds kind of silly, you realize like there's some truth to what she's saying because I've never, ever done that before. So this is your line. No, but I'm about to. So let's say your version of Becky says to you, you have never landed a $2 million account before. Like you've never closed that big of a client or you've never delivered a keynote to this many people before, or maybe it's an actual person. Maybe it's another advisor in a mastermind with you, or maybe it's your mother-in-law, or maybe it's somebody else who's in your ear saying, have you ever actually done that before? Or gosh, you've never, you've never hired a junior advisor or you've never, you know, you've never, um, restructured or rebranded your business before. And you can simply say, no, but I'm about to. And that to me is one of the most powerful phrases where you're acknowledging that you haven't done it before. Right. And we're declaring that you are about to own that thing. And that my friends is power. So you get to tell Becky's what's up. You get to tell her you're about to do exactly the thing that she is questioning and then go do it. Fail forward if you have to, or you might be pleasantly surprised that you knocked it out of the park and you're now adding something else to your big old pile of hard evidence. So I definitely, you know, when I was asked to speak on imposter syndrome, um, it's funny because it's not, I mean, normally I talk about systems and processes and um, how to scale your practice and how to create a scalable client experience. It, imposter syndrome was one of those things that I've never actually talked a lot about. So it's ironic that I had a lot of imposter syndrome talking about imposter syndrome. So that was a very meta experience for me today. <laughs> um, so I got more worked up talking about it than I really expected. And I think the reason is, is that I see so much potential in, in you, right? I know you, I get you, I am you. It's funny, even reading the um, mean girl thoughts that you guys typed in, like, I'm pretty sure I've thought of every single one of those myself. So I get that. And I just want you to know that you've got this and there are clients out there literally praying for what you do in the way that only you can do it. There are people out there just waiting for someone like you to do the thing that you do with your special, unique way of doing it. So when you hear your Becky, follow this system that I created for you guys and just move forward. And when she shows up, now you know how to put her in her place and you can say, no, nope, I'm not going there. Imposter syndrome, it's going to show up especially if you're asked to talk about imposter syndrome <laughs> and there's no advice, there's no, there's no inviting it. It's going to happen. But now that you have some tools in your toolbox, you can actually smack it down pretty quick. So go dream big, um, get out of your comfort zone, give your mean girl, those, you know, those Z snaps and move forward in building a business and a life that you love. Okay. So there you have it. That is my imposter syndrome 
squashing system. And just to kind of recap the steps, right? So we're going to actually name your, in this case, inner mean girl or your inner bully. We're going to write out on paper what he or she is saying to you so that we can look at them from a more objective standpoint. We are going to then determine is what he or she saying a fact or is it a misguided opinion and really break those statements down and actually evaluate them. And then we're going to build a big old pile of hard evidence so that you can really look at the actual truth. So this is your compliments binder, brag book, feel good folder, whatever you want to call it. And again, there is a video of mine out on theefficientadvisor.com in the video library. And I'd love to see in the Efficient Advisor community, you know, pictures of you. I know a lot of advisors have done this and it feels so cheesy and kind of weird when you're doing it. However, I will, I will say in those moments where you're feeling like crap or you missed your goals or you lost a client or you didn't close a prospect that you thought you would, these things come in so handy. It's physical evidence that you are where you are supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing in the way that only you can do it. And it won't resonate with everybody, right? Your style, you are not for everyone and that's okay. All right, so I digress. So step five, so step, well, step four, make that binder, make that feel good folder. Step five is say no, but I'm about to. So anytime you're about to take that big leap and you hear your inner mean girl telling you that you've never done this before, or gosh, maybe even it's someone in your life saying, hey, have you ever, have you ever done that? Or you've never done that before. You can say no, but I'm about to. Um, And all the endorphins start and flow. So anyways, I hope that was helpful for you guys. Let me know how else I can help. And after creating a system for myself for imposter syndrome, I am 100% confident that you can create a process for everything. So anyways, I want to leave you with this. All of the things that I mentioned are in the show notes. There is the PDF download that you can have for your inner bully. And it sounds kind of crazy, but download it, do the work, and it's done. You will mentally have these tools in place and you will physically have something that you can look at. And I and I can't tell you how big of an impact it actually makes to write this out and work through it. So when you do run into that, that moment where you start to feel all the imposter syndrome, all the not good enough, this actually comes in very handy. So I hang out in the Efficient Advisor community on Facebook. I also hang out on LinkedIn. That's where you can find me and I'd love to interact with you. And before you go, if this podcast has helped you in any way, shape, or form, the best thing that you could do is pay it forward by leaving a written review of this show over on Apple Podcasts um, or Spotify. Spotify now has reviews. I seriously light up every time I hear from you guys. And when I see how you are implementing ideas from the show and how this show has impacted you in some way, it's really, really rewarding for me. 
But I also know as an advisor, you are looking for an ROI on your listening time. When you are investing time into a podcast, I demand (laughs) that you can have things you can implement from it. And the only way as an advisor that you know, hey, this show is going to do that thing for me is you're going to go read the reviews. So it would mean so, so much to me if you would be willing to leave a review. I'd be super grateful. Otherwise, we'll be back next week. Next week, I'm excited. We've got Matt Jarvis from The Perfect RIA on the show. And he and I have a really great conversation about adding massive value to your clients. So make sure you stay tuned for next Tuesday uh, for our conversation with Matt Jarvis. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.